This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. We are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side, and joining us as they do every single week for the MGO Blog Roundtable <laughs> is the MGO Blog crew, minus Craig Ross, who is flying back from Hawaii. Uh, but the man that started it all at MGO Blog is with us, Brian Cook. BC, good morning. How are you? I'm well. And of course, one Mr. Seth Fisher. Seth, good morning. How are you? I'm I'm good. I was zonked yesterday. I worked the election on Tuesday, and just uh, that thing goes from we we're, we go from like four thirty a.m. to like eleven thirty or twelve o'clock when we get home. And I yesterday I woke up and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go work. And no, I was I was useless. <laughs> Man, you know, you look at this the the news. All the news right now is about the NFL Combine and Michigan having a record eighteen players down there representing. Uh, very, very well just how loaded this team was. And you, you kind of look back in retrospect and you look at the classes that that made this crew be what it was. They obviously didn't have the rankings that that lead up to uh, would, would suggest the championship. But certainly they they ha- always had the talent. It certainly was developed. And now they get a chance to show with lesser numbers. And this seems to be the case across the board for all 18 guys. Uh, Brian, they don't have the numbers of some of their counterparts, but this is their opportunity to show they're every bit as physically talented as well. Well, you know, it's been interesting watching an NFL drafter talk talk about J.J. McCarthy because there are people who watch the games and there are people who look at the stats. And the guys who look at the stats are like, ah, he's mid, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, but it seems like he's been rising up boards. People are projecting him inside the top 10 and that feels honestly about right. Given what we've seen for him that like, and I think you're going to see that happen for a number of other Michigan players. And before the season, Harbaugh said, yeah, I think we might have 20 guys drafted off this team and he's not going to be far off. Like he's going to be pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I I've seen, (laughs) he went from not being on first round draft boards to now some having him in the top 10. So they're, at least some of the mock people are, are watching him, but I think he's the I actually think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Now, when you put everything into the mix, and I wonder how far fetched you think that is, Seth. And maybe I don't know if I don't know how, how much you've watched the other quarterbacks or how much of a homer pick you think that is, but I can justify it by saying A, we know his arm talent. We know how mobile he is. I think he's gonna run in the four fives in the forty. Uh and the offense that he comes from makes him I read a, a report. In one one uh, mock draft preview, said, "Oh, well, his, he's not. He doesn't come from the system. He comes from doesn't make him pro ready." I'm like, "What are you? What are these people, <laughs> what are these people talking about? <laughs> what are these people talking about? Just, just because he's handing the ball off more than other people, his scheme doesn't have make you, him. Have pro you, wait, wait, have you watched pro football in the last thirty years? <laughs> or, or I mean, I think one of the most interesting things that." Um, that I've heard in the draft, and this is not just for JJ, uh, but they were talking to the Lions GM and asking him, and they, it was like one of those silly questions, hey, do you like having the National Championship Michigan nearby? And he's like, we love that. We love having Michigan nearby because we're our first rule in our front office is we only get good guys, and we need to, and we want to meet with as many people as possible. And you only get to meet with thirty guys at the combine. You're you're very limited. You can meet a few more people at the Shrine Bowl, but every single Michigan guy is exactly the kind of guy that we're looking for. And we got, and they're just down the street, so we can get them in any time. So it works out really well for us. And I don't know if there's another NFL franchise that has a team so much like what they're looking for 
just down the street from them. And I was like, okay, I like <laughs> I like this. Let's do it. Let's put some more Wolverines on the Lions. Um, but that's kind of the thing. I don't think anybody on Michigan from from Michigan has moved down from the time that they've uh, from the time the season ended. As they get a look at these guys, Roman Wilson blew up at the at the Shrine Bowl, right? And they're all talking about JJ now. Corum, they're talking about how he, you know, his spe- he lost some speed later in his career, and they're like, "Is that injury?" No, he gained a lot of weight because he his role changed on the team, and he could lose weight and run faster, and that's that's out there now. Trevor Keegan is moving up, and they're saying that he's going to be one of the better guards in the like. You know, Zach Zinner, his health is a lot better than they thought it was going to be, and they got to look at like so. Every one of these guys, the news since the season ended is he's even better than you thought. Yeah, man. You, you to your point uh, with, with JJ and we, Ira and I were talking about this before when I was thinking maybe he'd be on the on the board at the end of the first round a month ago, right? It, but knowing that getting into the combine, he would move up, but he's moved up a lot seemingly before that because people actually went back and watched the film to. To Brian's point, so he's moved up past Bo Nix, which why was he ever behind Bo Nix? He's moved up past Michael Penix, but still behind Drake May, Jane Daniels, and um and Caleb Williams. I think he could, I think he's a better I think he's the, the, the top one, but Drake May, I can see JJ moving past Drake May. I'm curious <clears> what you I mean, Jane Daniels is really interesting because he has that kind of Lamar Jackson athleticism where he can change the equation on on just about every play even on the nfl level so he's a hard one for me to figure out but i'm not taking caleb williams or drake may over jj mccarthy just like just in terms of like what i want in my locker room like i'm i'm caleb williams in particular like i i haven't really seen a whole lot from may but he had a tough year against you at usc he had a you know an iffy defense and that really affected him you know, I felt like he was not as nearly as good this year, and I think it was partially because he kind of got in his head mentally. And that's not something that we've seen happen to J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy can throw the ball eight times against Penn State and be happy as a clam. And I know he's a very talented quarterback, but I just think that the bust factor is higher for him than it is for a guy like J.J., who's I, – I don't know if you could be better prepared for the NFL mentally than playing under Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and doing what you did over the course of 15 games this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, it might be a homer take, but I'm I'm kind of with you. I I mean, you look at the the all the attributes you want in an NFL quarterback and we've known for a long time that JJ's got it. It's also in the NFL, you can ruin quarterbacks very easily. So, I almost don't want him to move up too hard, too high because <laughs> then you start getting into the teams that are at the top of the draft for a reason. And usually that reason is their offensive line sucks. So yeah. I, there, I, you know, there are a lot of stories of, good, of quarterbacks who are like can't miss dudes who go to the NFL and they miss. And the bus factor is, you know, as Brian mentioned, sometimes it's what the player make up himself and like how much pressure can he take and what because things get a lot more complicated. Things are going to happen faster in the NFL. But it's also, you know, how long can do you get to get used to it before you've been lit up because your brain will not let you stand behind. You know, and stand in a backfield where you're just going to get destroyed all the time. It, it ruins quarterbacks. And so, if you if he does drop down, you know, like Steelers and below, like that's like any of those teams already have a team culture, already have a program built where they're going to be able to bring him along and and get him ready. And I think that leads to success in quarterbacks, probably more than like your draft like you know the small number between Caleb Williams or Drake May or, or JJ the, the the franchise themselves i think matters more than that marginal difference between quarterbacks yeah there's a common theme among the michigan guys that so many of them have to overcome the press stats because they're this is a championship team you're rotating a lot of guys or in a quarterback scenario you're handing the ball off a lot the one exception to that because statistically I think you look at his tape, you look at everything you look at, Mikey St. Ristol yeah. jumps off the chart, right? So his, his stats, I think, if you're just looking at his stats alone, you'd be like, okay, I want that guy up here. He has a real opportunity. I think a DJ Turner-like opportunity. If he can blaze that 40, he has he made, he was a playmaker in every game, multiple pick sixes, almost had another one, right? If he can blaze the 40, I think he's a second-round pick. Uh, you know, may, maybe, I, I don't know about first round, but 
I think he's a day two. He's I mean, a second round pick. <laughs> the Lions the will take that guy. <laughs> yeah, like, that is a Lions pick right there. Well, I mean, the Lions <laughs> took him last year. His name's Brian Branch. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, that's exactly yeah. what, like, that, like, Brian Branch did not test out of this world. Like, he, he went to the combine and he did all right. He's a little undersized and he fell to the second round because of that. And the Lions picked him up and he was almost the defensive rookie of the year, like, in terms of his play. Yeah. So, my- my my question with with Mikey because you know how I mean you know you you're gonna look at some some of them are gonna look at his size but he played bigger than his size so you can see that on film. What I think the biggest question about him is are his 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 foot speed because he's you know Brian Branches I was looking at his measurables from last year he's six foot two hundred three pounds that's not Mikey but he made as many plays as Brian Branch. I thought Brian Branch one of the bigger knocks on him is he's not a foot speed guy. I wonder about how how fast Mikey is in a straight line. Now I was told I was being ridiculous, even having that, even having that question. I had an exchange. I was talking to Will about, you know, the secondary Will Johnson about the secondary. And I had this very conversation with him. I was like, you know, if Mikey kills the kills it in the 40 at the combine, then man, he will, he'll move up. He said, if he kills it in the 40. <laughs> I said, Yeah, if he if he runs in the four or five. He said, four or fives. He said, Man, Mikey's faster than that. I said, you think he's gonna run it? He said, come come back and see me after the combine. Mikey's gonna run faster than four or five. And so, man, if he if he runs in the in the four fours, hell, the four threes, I don't think there's any question you move him, move him up because he has versatility to play over the slot. He can play outside on an island, and he. I just, mean, oh, at the NFL level, he's a nickel, right? Yeah, like. He's he doesn't have the size to go up against a six foot two or six foot four receiver on a consistent basis. Yeah, you're you aren't putting him up against uh my man in Seattle. <laughs> right. <laughs> so doing like I, I he's a nickel only. And that's that's the one thing that I think might hold his draft stock back a little bit. Because he can't play outside, not not in the NFL. Well, yeah, and my, my thing def, definitely I think uh nickel is his position. But if if you wound up in a situation like the Lions were, where they were playing musical chairs in the backfield, you can't tell Brian Branch, okay, slide out in an emergency emergency situation and play on a corner. He just get toasted. Now you might say Mikey might get beasted, but I t- I take my I take my chances because if his his elite, if he can run like that, elite hips, short area quickness, ball skills, he plays bigger than his size. I just like the versatility that he brings. Definitely in this day and age, you know, slot corner or nickel is your is a starting position on many defenses. I think that that dude has a chance to really, really show out. And if he does what Will says he's going to do, he he's going to be at least a day two pick and maybe be one of those sneaky guys. Because where did you say you said someone had him going number 60 already? Was that Dane Brugler's list in 60 in his top 100 board? Yeah, Dane Brugler had him going there already. So. Hell, he might be able to sneak up into the latter part of the first round if he can really run the 40 like uh, like that in a surprising fact, like DJ Turner. Like, no one, we didn't know DJ Turner was that fast. Hell, yeah, I don't we, even, I, Yeah, we did. Well, four, no, two, no one was going to say 427. That, no, that no, no, it's just 4 2. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was but, such a and, and the thing about Saner still is like, someone's going to fall in love with that guy. Like, they're like, we can improve our press conferences a thousand percent by hire, by drafting this dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I think a lot a lot of teams are going to fall in love with him because just in terms of like what you want in a locker room, we talked about with JJ. I same result too. Yeah. Like maybe even more than JJ. <laughs> no offense to JJ, but I mean, like Mike Sanders still like a thousand years old already, and I think that counts for something. So, I mean, anywhere in round two, yeah, for Sanders still, and I'm like, that's a great pick. Whoever made that pick made a great pick. I agree. Yeah, man. So anyway, we'll be watching to see how the guys perform. Hopefully they all go out and show out, move up boards. And, and, and again, if you bring it back to Michigan, it puts the spotlight back on what's left behind as we get ready for spring ball. We had a conversation last week about the quarterbacks. And I got a lot of questions about it. You don't think it's going to be Alex Orgy? I didn't say that. I didn't say it wasn't going to be Alex Orgy. I think Alex Orgy is the favorite. You do. I do. Oh. I think Alex Orgy is. I think Alex Orgy is the favorite, but I don't think it's. I don't think he's locked in. I mean, I last I said it was probably Tuttle. That was that was okay. my guess. Okay. Yeah, it's so like, that was where know, that was coming from. I, but I I think Jack Tuttle could. I I think he could beat him. And I, I think if 
the window is open for someone for for either someone for for either Jack Tuttle or Jaden Denegal to overtake him if that if because of if his accuracy on his on his passing hasn't taken a step. That that was my main point of kind of talking about uh, Denegal and and Tuttle, who brings a wealth of experience as well. Uh, but yeah, man, they they keep saying he's a freak show. Like he he makes freak show pr- plays in practice, and so there there's gonna be I, I think there's gonna be a a I think there's a want to be able to ex- use that to exploit that on a down to down basis. I I think that the the throwing ability or the accuracy is gonna have to justify that though. He's gonna have to show that in the spring. So I do think he's the favorite, but I don't think he's the a lock. No, no, there couldn't be anybody who's like the lock going into the season. Like there's nobody's in a position like JJ where he's shown enough on the field, even after his freshman season where it's like, okay, this is probably going to be the guy. Uh, even though you had a returning big 10 champion quarterback in Cade McNamara. So it's going to be wide open, but yay, guess what? Portal closed, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did. yeah did. They lost Keon Sab, which is sad. I think he's going to be a real good player, but, that was it. And Sab was blocked by two returning starters at safety somewhat. I still think that he would have gotten a ton of playing time on next year's team. But Michigan is virtually intact uh, from the departure of Jim Harbaugh. So well done, Sharon Moore. Well done, everybody who's on the staff. Uh, and now you can look forward to a defense that's returning Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham and Josiah Stewart and Derek Moore and Will Johnson and the two aforementioned safeties. And we're talking about Alex Orgy, right? And it's like, okay, well, the passing accuracy has to justify his his inclusion in the starting lineup. But, you know, I kind of feel with this defense, if you have a punishing 11 on 11 ground game, kind of sort of Tebow style, you can grind out your 24 points and you're going to win by 24 points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could, you could start. And by the way, I also got the question. Why aren't you mentioning Jaden Davis? Because I think the plan is to red. I think, I think the coaches want to redshirt him, and I think he prefers redshirting as well. So that's why I haven't mentioned him in this mix. He, talented freshman in early, certainly going to get some uh, an opportunity to get some reps in, and you know, kind of get practice in before he actually has to be in a fall camp and prepare for a game, which will expedite his his learning curve. But no, I think his preference is to redshirt, and I think the coaches are really looking to do that. So that's why I didn't mention him. This is another one of the yeah. questions Davis I got. Davis Warren was the last name, and he was he just looked terrible last year in the little time he played. He played great in the spring, and then... Well, he was hurt. That's why he ceded that time to Denegal. So I don't I don't know if that really says a whole lot. I mean, we're going to... It's going to be a free-for-all in spring. And yeah, it is. It is and that, and that's, that's what I was trying to highlight. Look, Denegal, I think, is the most improved out of all of them. Now, you know, it, he... he that I think speaks more to he he had farther to go. Uh, you like you talked to uh, he. I think he came in and out the gate. You know some of the West Coast pundits that I talked to, they were like, mm. you know, they were even asking me. Mm, it just doesn't seem like Greg Biggins. Like I don't really think that he's a, uh, a Michigan caliber guy. He like Kattenhauser more. Yeah, and so coming up against each other and everything, and everyone's like, oh, Michigan State got the better quarterback out there. Yeah. But I mean, the talk is that he he's improved the most. That doesn't mean that he's better than than all the other guys. That just means he's come a longer way and has made himself a factor in this in this mix. Now, can he, with the spotlight on and the competition thick, you know, can he show out? And I that's gonna be it's a very important time because you mentioned the portal window closing. There is a portal window that opens after. The spring, and so it mm-hmm. kind of begs the question strategically from a coaching perspective. You know, it would kind of behoove you to have the quarterback situation not settled at the end of the spring, right? So, well, for, I don't, for, I don't, for I don't it not think obvious for it to not be obvious. I should say, that, hey, look, if you got a number one guy for sure, for sure, for sure, and there's just no question about it, then it is what it is. But if it's close, you know how Jim used to say, I don't know what the, who the starter is going to be yet. It's it's going to be on. It's going to be ongoing, right? Because I think the loser, the loser of that battle, particularly between Orgy and Denegal, I, I, I would expect the, the loser of that uh, of the battle to probably jump into the portal. 
Well, I mean, so the thing is that it seems highly unlikely that the battle will be settled at the end of spring practice, right? Like we might have some indications. We'll have a performance from someone who catches the eye, but no sane coaching staff is going to go into fall camping. Like, okay, this is obviously the guy, <laughs> right? Like for a lot of reasons. And like be one of them. the thing about orgy is like, you might be able to Jim Harbaugh this. You can finesse it because Jim Harbaugh had 16 starters on both sides of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so maybe there's like a Alex Orgy, Tim Tebow starter, and then there's the Jaden Denegal, Tom Brady starter. I don't know. But Florida won we'll a national see. championship like that. That's not that, that's not like an unheard of situation. Well, no, I, I yeah, uh, <laughs> it was it was a very unusual situation because you had Chris Leak uh, as the established guy, and then Tim Tebow was just a, a dump truck in the backfield so he was a yep. really useful piece for them and that's kind of what i foresee the hypothetical alex orgy offense being is you take michigan's ability to convert on short yardage with blake quorum and then you make them defend 11 on 11 and like i don't think it's going to be particularly explosive but i do think it's going to be like remember when michigan played those uh those service academy teams and you're like how are we going to stop this team from getting a first down when they got all four downs? And I kind of, I kind of think that that would be a viable approach for Michigan next year. So I mean, you can make that explosive because you have Donovan Edwards in that backfield. I mean, you, you can make it explosive, but yeah. I think your overall vibe is going to be more grinded out occasionally pop something open, but yeah, I mean, I've been advocating for Michigan to hire the craziest single win coach in America. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but I want I want to find out. I want I want some high school coach from like Bellevue, Washington, to be hired as an analyst. Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah, because well, like I remember Steve Schilling never pass blocked uh-huh. as 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 a recruit. So I'm like, oh Bellevue, there we gotta go. We gotta okay. get that guy. <laughs> yeah, five star dude too. They. They went and gotten Steve Schilling. But, yeah, man, it, there's no doubt that they would tailor more of the offense to his skills. So you have to, um, to to exploit the freak show type stuff. It's like, man, this dude, he he makes these plays in practice. It's like it's unbelievable. Uh, but then you get in the throw game, like you're talking to guys in the in, in workouts and like, mm, got to get that together. Yeah, I think the wide receivers are probably – uh, in, in in the bag for Denegal or, uh, or Tuttle or the, one of the other guys. Well, so Even we've if. talked about this ex- ex- extensively on our podcast where it like, feels like like your skill position players next year, your best lineup is probably going to have Loveland, Mullings, and Edwards on the field at the same time, right? Because hmm. it feels like Edwards might be your best receiver. He's obviously a talented, explosive running back. Mullings played out of his mind in limited snaps last year. And then Colson Lovell might be the best tight end in America. So and then you add Samaj Morgan into the mix, and it's like you could really get crazy with this stuff. You can have some spinning fullbacks. <laughs> you could, could get Fritz Chrysler out of the grave and make him an analyst. Let's do that. Um but he does have, it is 2024, so he's got to be able to throw the ball at least somewhat. And he indicated that like a little bit in the spring game. So last year. And it's going to take progress, but he doesn't have to go as far as other guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because he has that other aspect of his game. That he does. Well, he and his, I think the most special skill of any of the quarterbacks would be Orgy's uh, running ability. I think that's, that's what I mean when I say, and they talk about the freak show stuff like, who is the guy that you look to and you say that's special? Yeah, he, he's the guy who has the most special thing about him. So, um, but that doesn't mean he's going to be the guy. That's what I'm kind of try to get across to fans who keep because a lot of fans are assuming because there's been so much talk about Alex Orgy, they're assuming that he's definitely the guy, and that, I think that's premature. I mean, this, this is the the fan base has been clamoring for Orgy <laughs> since, like, we as soon as they saw his name, you can, you can hear it. I went was watching the uh, the Michigan State game from last year again, and you know it was all Michigan fans by the end there, and you could hear <coughs> when JJ is still in there. We want Orgy. We want Orgy. It's he's the, the fans. We are the weirdest fan base. Every other fan base in the world is like throw the ball more, and we're like, no, no, get the single wing guy, go run it. Yeah, like this Kwame Tuasami, and 
in the chat says, I'm orgy all day. I see that a, a lot, a lot with the fans. And they look, fan favorite already, which is great. But they're still going. There's absolutely going to be a competition, and that's going. We're going to see how far he's progressed throwing the football. We need to get to a break. We're going to come back on the other side and jump into a topic that we really just haven't had the opportunity to dive into a lot, and that's some Michigan hockey. So how about that? We'll get into that on the other side here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK the ticket. Too many Smurfs wide receivers. I so mean, a bunch yeah. of tall guys that are just all gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Andre in Oklahoma, Marion. Yeah. Switches position and goes to Ole Miss, and and of course uh, most Andrell. recent. Yeah, I, did I, say, I thought I said Andre. Did I not say Clemens, yeah, Andre, Andre, and Darius Clemens. Clemens. So all yeah. the guys six above. That's why I, I'm. I think Michigan is gonna absolutely go to the portal to look for some size. Yeah. After yeah uh, after the spring. How did how did Donovan McCauley go back to Indiana? What? What what is what did Indiana's NIL program have that 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 guy was like? No, I'm going to stick in Bloomington. Are we talking about Donovan McCauley again? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. It's crazy. There's no way Indiana could could. I don't think that was a money decision. No. <laughs> from, from the standpoint of he went where he got his biggest offer. No, no. Well, he's from Indianapolis, isn't he? I think he's from. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I compared uh, when I do my um, – I went back and finished my recruiting comps because I didn't finish them last year. And uh, I did Kendrick Bell as Donovan McCulley because couldn't, couldn't really think what, of any Ken- big Michigan receivers that I wanted to compare Donovan to. McCulley is like six foot five. Bell's six four. They're, I think they were only one is in he? part. Yeah. yeah, he's not Ronnie. He's definitely not Ronnie. But, I mean, he's a humongous basketball playing quarterback – Switch to receiver, kind of dude. So, jumps out of the building like it. I the the Michigan comparisons. Every single time we ha- we had one of those guys, where they're like most of them were Brady hoax washouts, and like yeah, there's a few more that Lloyd Carr recruited that never really did much. So, I, I want to mention uh, while we're in the chat before we go back on because it won't be it won't be a topic uh, on the radio, but the Columbus Dispatch reported Ohio State self-reported for. Recruiting violations, one of them being they tampered. <laughs> they, talked, they talked to it. We, we, we mistakenly talked to a recruit before he actually entered the portal. You don't say. It's, it's, it's a good thing somebody at least is getting in trouble for tampering this offseason. But it's like, <laughs> and it's like they called the dude directly. And it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, what is, the, what is the violation actually going to result in? No, like well, they took it. They they reported when they did it with what action they took. They like okay, we're not going to call people for a week or something. The um, the system no, was set up by Gene Smith. So the NCAA accepted that though, because you you report and then... I, they just reported it so far. So the NCAA, but they they're going to accept it. The the system is set up by Gene Smith. They know exactly. Ohio State re, like reports more minor violations than any team in the country because they know exactly how to commit them and exactly how to report them and take their quote quote, quote um, lumps for whatever they do. That's how the system's created. The system is made so that you can operate like in Ohio State, and if you want to go and get somebody, there's a million ways to go and get them because. If you're not doing exactly how Ohio State does it, which is commit them knowing that you're going to report them and knowing that you're going to do this, that's that's the idea. It's not a it's not a fair system. It's not a system created to like do anything but benefit the people who created the system. Yeah, so it's had it had to get discovered. So because there's, there's no way, like for instance, when the, the uh, Kate Proctor went to Iowa and he was like, "Yeah, coach, come back in about ten seconds, guys. Make sure I was okay." Of course, that's why he called you. Or contacted me. That's a, that's not why. We know why. So, we've talked Michigan football. We've talked a little Michigan basketball. We haven't talked any, or for all intents and purposes, Michigan hockey. Uh, Brian, so I'll start with you. Just your your feeling about this 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 year's team this this season uh, so far this year. Well, it's been a frustrating season with a lot of missed opportunities. So. Michigan has won most of their Friday night games, and then they have lost most of their Saturday night games in the third period and frequently in the last five minutes. They've had some injury issues, particularly in the first half, and um, they're playing in a pretty loaded conference, so it's been um, difficult sledding. That said, at this point, they're 14th in pairwise, 
which is the absolute lowest you can be and make the tournament this year. And you shouldn't be relying on that um, too heavily. They have a big opportunity this weekend. They're going to Minnesota. Um, and Minnesota's in third. Michigan's in fourth in the league. If Michigan wins Friday, then they need more points in Minnesota in the Saturday game to pass them uh, to get up to third. And that means instead of Notre Dame, they'd get Penn State in the first round. And Penn State uh, significantly worse than Notre Dame last year. M- Michigan just played Notre Dame in a very tight series that, um, you know, 4-0 the uh, Friday game, and then they're 1-1 in the third period on Saturday. You're like, oh, here we go again. But Marshall Warren uh, manages to get the puck in in a period Michigan was absolutely dominating. Uh, And they get a sweep, their first home sweep of the year. It's been that kind of year. Um, And they're really at the precipice right now. So they need a good result this weekend against Minnesota. Otherwise, they're putting all their chips in in the Big Ten tournament. Was this was this not the kind of season that was expected coming off a of Frozen Four appearance and having all those, you know, all those guys uh, move on? Yeah, I mean, like I think that they've played better than their record, so they're plus eleven in goal differential in the Big Ten, and they're ten ten and two. So, you know, usually goal differential is a better predictor of how good you are than your actual record. So I feel like they've played better than their record, but they've also been, they've had a step back from last year and that's completely understandable because of the really awkward transition from Mel to Narado. This recruiting class doesn't have a lot of impact in it. Garrett Schiffsky has been a pleasant surprise and Nick Moldenhauer is holding down a third line spot, but they really didn't have guys to come in and replace Brisson and Fantilli and all that stuff. And, they have, you know, a top line that's really good, and Dylan Duke is a great college player, but they aren't able to out talent their mistakes as well as they did last year. Um, and that's gonna turn around next year because Nerado has an excellent class coming in and looks like the recruiting will continue at the Michigan level you expect. But this year they're they've got a great top line and they split them up last weekend. Uh, they put Brindley um on the second line, which I thought was a good move, but they just don't have the raw talent that they usually do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, I was thinking about what our expectations are for the Michigan football team, which still has a lot of talent though, but you know, you, you, you gotta just think got 18 guys at the combine. It's kind of like hockey having all those, all those guys picked high in the, in the draft, you know, you got to kind of j- calibrate your expectations to the departure of all that talent. Is obviously going to be a, a little bit of a step back, or maybe a big step back in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it, I can't wait for them to get out of the Big Ten. And like, as, as far as like, it, if if they can get in the playoffs this year, this is the kind of team that could. And because the playoffs are kind of plinko in hockey anyway, but they are the kind of team that could really roll. Um, so if there's a possibility of like, it's like. It's not like saying like okay, either you're not going to make the tournament or you're going to win the national championship. But it's not like we're hoping just to make the tournament and then die in the first round. This is a team that could go really far if they make it in. They've been pretty unlucky. I think they've gotten terrible officiating this year. Um, well, like that's just baked in at this point. Yeah, but but it's like I, I, I can't wait to see this team. I would love to see this team outside of the Big Ten context and see like you know see things open up. I mean, they also lost Jackson Hallam this for most of the year, um, who was going to be on an uncalled knee to knee hit that was flagrant. Yeah, which I mean, I, it's really got to burn up Nerado that he lost so many guys to injury on things that weren't even called penalties. Yeah, Ruck- and meanwhile, he was lost for a while this year too for something. Yeah, like and that. meanwhile, Michigan gets a five minute major for blinking at the wrong guy. It is unacceptable, but yeah. It's- what it they, is? Yeah, they they wiped out. A, so Michigan's got the best power play in the country, and they wiped out a Michigan power play in the Notre Dame game in a crucial moment for uh, they, what was the what, what was the official call? It was embellishment. Embellishment. So so like T.J. Hughes was skating hard to the net and got hooked down as the puck arrived, and they yeah. called embellishment. And I about lost my. I can't say with well, things on the radio that I can't say. Yeah. And then the previous weekend against Penn State, they were about to get a five-minute major when they evened it up on a very weak call on Marcus Tapa. So it is just appalling. 
um, the way this team is officiated, and they've had to fight through all that. Oh, I mean, so in this stretch run, what do you think they have to do? What do they have to do? To, do they have to win the Big Ten? What do they have to do to um, Big Ten uh, uh, championship? Do they have to do that in order to make the, the tournament? What do you think? Uh, well, it looks like Michigan has a decent shot of getting an at-large bid. So there's a pairwise probability matrix on college hockey news, and it shows Michigan is, you know, pretty decent to end up 14th or better. Um, so I think that they have a pretty good shot, especially if they have a good weekend against Minnesota of getting an at-large, but they're going to have to win their first round series in the big 10 tournament perform well against Minnesota this weekend. Uh, and that should be enough. Um, if they get a split against Minnesota, I think they might have to get to the final in the big 10. All right. There's your hockey update folks. Uh, I got some questions about the, uh, the staff. Ira, am I missing anything? Have they announced Michigan's defensive staff yet? I haven't seen anything official yet. As I keep, people keep asking me, what's going on? What's going on with the, with the defensive staff hires, are they are they going to change their minds? Is something going to change? So, what I've been told is the background checks. I think maybe we talked about this a little bit, a little bit before, but the background check process has intensified. <laughs> okay, good well, answer. That's good. That's a good I, answer. I accept that. <laughs> I accept that dramatically. I mean, it's to the point where it's got some of the guys. Is talking to someone else like that. I have references on I mean, all these coaches put references on their resumes, right? For people contact so and so, and it's like I no school has ever called all of my references ever, and Michigan has called all of the references, right? And you know their social media scrubbing is like <laughs> in. I don't know who this company is, so that'd be an interesting thing, sir, sir. <laughs> Are you or have you ever been in charge of a vacuum refurbishment company? <laughs> but that's what it's like. That is absolutely the reaction to Connor Stallions to um, uh, who's the other dude? Uh, Connor Stallions, uh, Matt Weiss. That's another one that it's reaction. And Shimmy Schimbeckler. And so that that is why you haven't heard the names yet. Uh, trust uh, me. they Bob Shoop, not- too, I think. You know, Shoop's thing, Shoop's thing, I don't, maybe there was something in his, his yeah. background that would, yeah, there was, there was. Yeah. There was, that's right. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about the Shoop one. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one to add to the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, good change. Good change. <laughs> hey, you got, you got wives asking their husbands, hey, is there something I need to know? <laughs> this background check is taking, Kind of a long time, right? So, trust me when I say that these guys are hired. They it did it, it's it's Michigan being methodical and it's in the vetting of of these of these new coaches. Now, the one downside is the the new coaches have been advised that they can't recruit until they're official. So there is there is that, but I mean we're in a spring window. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't they have started having their spring uh, spring practice yet, so feels like it it's not going to be a huge detriment to have the um to have the vetting process take this long. So that is it in a nutshell as far as why we haven't heard where things are with these or why these guys haven't been announced yet, but exciting to say the least to see what they're going to bring to the table because one of the things that was interesting to me when when Clink left and there was all this talk about um wink and how he was going to change the defense um i know will reached out to to jesse minner and he was kind of asking him this is when it came out he said he was telling will lamar morgan is the guy he should hire and he also said wink is spending a lot of time looking at you know what we do what we did from a from a coverage perspective so that can be maintained like he said i'm on the phone with wink all the time so that was an encouraging thing because these these guys, this secondary, they are very much uh, of the mind that hey, we want to do with all the multiple variations and you know the complexities that maybe some pro teams don't even employ. They want to keep doing that, and it sounds like Wink is going to be making sure that happens. Right. Well, as long as they can teach it, I'm we're all down for it. It's um, 
You can't argue with the results. And being able to stop a quarterback passing the, the, the passing games, the level that they've faced in the last few years is quite an ability that not a whole lot of teams can pull off. Yeah, yeah. He, well, Lamar, Lamar certainly coming from under Jesse is going to be able to do that. And then Wink, I mean, how much football has he coached? You know, I think part of it is necessity is it often makes makes you go in certain directions. And I think, you know, look at his his team with the Giants, for instance. I mean, you got to got to figure out, look at his squad. You look at this squad, you can get heat with four with this squad. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're start, would it be a start, better starting defensive line than Michigan's? I don't think there will be. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the Giants had a the Giants had like Kayvon Thibodeau, but they had like nothing in the interior. And they were, um, yeah, they they kept on their offense kept on setting them up at like the forty yard, at their own forty yard line. It was, it was bad. Like they 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 were, it was not a good situation because you basically had to get sacks in order to stop uh, the other team from scoring a lot of times. And I think people got a little upset about the wink hire before they even looked because like they they saw he rushes five and they're like oh no he rushes five plays cover one that's don brown and thought that like we're going back to don brown like i swear we're not going the guy who hired mcdonald and jesse minner at the ravens is not going to take us back to cover one all day and rushing five it's it's just it's not that's not what we're doing that certainly was one that was certainly one of the poaching ploys are you gonna be playing man all the time <laughs> like, first of all, if I come play for you, not saying this conversation actually happened, but mm-hmm. if I come play for you, we're going to be doing a lot of the stuff we do at Michigan. Stop it. <laughs> like, no, it's not going to go down that way. I, I, so, has a cornerback ever left a school because they're like, you know, you're going to have to play a lot of man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Blake Countess. Right. right. <laughs> but, but, but these guys, I tell you what. If these guys thought they were going to play a lot of man, you think about well, I think that would have been a concern. I mean, I think I think mm-hmm. he wants to be in a defense that is is multiple. That's why it's going to be so interesting uh, where where Keon goes. I think that you know the 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 secondary and their their proficiency in zone coverage. It I, I think it, it's one of those things that really elevates them as as players, and I think that this. This secondary, if you put them in a in a total man situation, or last year's even, if you put them in a in a total man situation all the time, I, I think that would have made them look a lot worse. You know, I, so I think that's the point. I mean, any any secondary you do that to, frankly, uh, but I think they're elite. They're elite when you vary, and that's why I think it was so important to Will. Like, what are, what are we doing? What are we going to yeah. do? Well, Josh Wallace was a was an average Mac player in 2022 in a man all the time system. He was playing for Don Brown. And, I mean, you saw with that guy. So that's – that when you do that, they're just going to attack your weakest point. But the nice thing about a man system is you can just slot somebody else in. You can get another five-star and and have him play, and then the next five-star and have him play. And that's what Ohio State was able to do for years because you could just get those dudes whenever you wanted to. Michigan has not been able to recruit like that. Um when they do get some dudes, though, it kind of sucks for those dudes because Keon Sab comes in as like a near five star, and he's got to he's got to work his way in. He's got to learn what he's doing. Will Johnson didn't play until the second half of the season, really, right? He had to wait until Jamon Green got his head kicked in by some Sparties before like he could go and start. Like the, the there was it takes a while. And Jire Hill, I know he got injured last year, but you know he walked in. He probably figured he was going to have a bigger role than he did, and. I was saying at the beginning of the season, this is a hard defense to learn. It's a lot of checks. I'm so excited about Jair. I'm excited about Jair. Uh, year in the system. You know, let's see how he he really develops because that he was the guy in that class that I felt like uh, there were a couple that were really underrated. But he was the guy in that class that I looked at and said he has a chance to be like first round good. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm not saying he will be. Uh, but if you watched him play in high school, he has all the tools. He he needed to get bigger. That whole class. I know Cam Calhoun uh, left, but they all just they they were so slight. Mm-hmm. Can he can he rise up? Because right now, if they had to go today, I think DJ Waller would be the other corner. Um, I mean, for, so I, for for a freshman that people thought we're gonna have was gonna have to move to linebacker, or even defensive end, Waller, you can't ask for a better freshman season than that guy had. 
Like we, we're, yeah. we're going to do the whole preseason right now, but like that, that if if you want to see like what did you want to see from a three star out of Youngstown that like everyone thought was just going to be a developmental prospect and Michigan puts him out in the, in and he and he can play and he played like real minutes like that's that that was a good season for him. Yeah, I was wondering whether he'd be able to hold up uh, speed wise, and that wasn't the biggest question. What what I heard the thing with him is is um, ball location. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of every workout now, one of the things they do with him is they're running a route down the field and it's locating the ball. Well, Indiana Locate- had a touchdown call back at the end. I think it was in Indiana. One of those teams had a touchdown call back at the end of the game where they just threw over his head. He was in perfect position and the receiver caught it and then runs into the end zone. And then fortunately, the receiver stepped out when he came down with the ball right before he uh, went up for the ball. And, but otherwise, it would you know, he would have been at that point, he would have gotten out. One touchdown out of two passes thrown his way. Yeah. Yeah, spring ball to some one of the listeners uh, said can't get here fast enough. It is going to be uh, very intriguing. I'm not sad about that, you know, because coming off a championship, you know, it's it's actually a little exciting to kind of look and see how some of the younger guys in the uh, in the in the background have kind of risen up and and to see where they are. Uh, but I'm like you, Brian, with the offensive line, for instance. It, yeah, they re- they they lost everybody for the most part except for 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 Hinton. But man, it feels like a lot of those guys have gotten experience in, in backup roles enough or in the scheme enough to feel like, yeah, there'll be a drop off, but they should be able to go out there and perform to your point. Uh that's not something to really be concerned about this year. Yeah, I mean, I feel it's gonna be a Alvarez era Wisconsin transition here. Michigan lost a lot of guys, but I think they'll be fine. Hey, before we gotta get out of there, I gotta I got to bring up Craig Rowe. I was going to do that at the very end. Yep. No doubt. It so, was, uh, it was, uh, I had no idea that he was going through um, the battle that he was going through for 18 months. He had reached out to talk about one of the projects that he was, you know, he has his football school, mm-hmm. his uh, line school that he, that he does. And, you know, wanted to get him on to, to, to uh, talk about it. it. had been intending to do so, not knowing that he, uh, he had this fight going on. So when you heard about it, we heard about it yesterday. Just floored to say the least, because he as as maniacal of a guy as he was on the field. He was like that maniacal, nonstop, intense, <laughs> every down guy. He was just a super cool dude off the field. A te- technician. He was a real good technician because he had to be because he wasn't as big as some of the other guys. Uh, but man, it was. It always stood out to me how great a dude he was off the field, especially given his profile. Because you remember this, Brian and Seth, he was the he was the big time prospect at the yeah. time. He not was a top Taylor kid. Yeah, not Taylor yeah. Lewan. And um, you know, he got done wrong by Michigan. They proved him a linebacker at some point, and he's not a linebacker. He was never a linebacker. I charted him for 126 plays against Indiana. <laughs> like, yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> he went through a lot here. Um, and my now ex-wife had him in class when he was in school, and she said that he, if he showed up for class early, he would look at the clock and he would go run up and down the stairs until class started. So that's the kind of guy he was. Um, and uh, Taylor Lewan uh, published a very heartfelt goodbye message on Twitter. I recommend people check that out. Um, just guy who went too soon, way too soon. His, um, his his wife's put up a GoFundMe. Um, you know, you know, our readers have been interacting with him as well because, uh, you know, he in the background. I was I would always email him. And he was kind of walking me through defensive line stuff all the time. While a lot of the things that I've written about defensive line, all just kind of came from him. Um, oh. He had those weekly reports that he would put out all the th- you know. I'm sure I have four hundred of them in my inbox that are unread still and then like I because I only open them sometimes to, to get through them but you know all the coaching points for defensive linemen he was so focused on that and I had no idea I talked to him probably once a month at least uh you know just what do you want to do something do you want to come on do you want to um he did come on for our uh 2011 show and he talked about uh being put at linebacker and how he had to go to the coaches and tell them to put him back at defensive line. He's like, I am a defensive end, not a linebacker. Um, but he also talked about like how that team was falling apart. Uh, and, you know, he 
didn't try to make himself the, the center of attention. He talked about Denard and talked about Vincent Smith and talked about uh, David Mulk and some of the other guys who were older than him who held that team together when they trans. You know, that tra- transition from Rich Rod to Brady Hoke was not a good one, right? It was not. It was thrown on the players. They were not consulted on what was going on. They had committed to a new program that had that had been dumped on by the. Um, by the fans and by the media and everybody, and Craig was kind of one of those guys who just, hey, we're gonna mail, we're gonna build a program after this, and like they had, I, you know, the Brady Hoke era wasn't a success, but they had more success than people really remember, especially in 2011, 2012, 2013. And he was one of those guys who was, you know, every day, let's just keep grinding, keep and 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 kept that pro, kept the program together and got us. Some nice moments that we had between the two national championships in 97 and this year, um, a lot of those big moments that we did have, he was a big part of that. And he's just a tremendous loss as a person. It's a tremendous loss to the blog, loss to the fans, loss to Michigan. And, I mean, he, he kept it secret the whole time. I had no idea. Yeah. And the biggest loss of all to his family. And so that's why if you haven't, uh, you know, clicked on his GoFundMe. Uh, that's what that supports. It supports his, his wife and, and son. And so if you can do that, please do. Uh, as always, we we run out of time like we just did here. Uh, appreciate your time. And we will join you again on the next MGO Blog t- Roundtable next Thursday. But for Ira and I, we're signing off until tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTK, the ticket, the official voice of the University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station. Okay, okay, okay. I got to get off because... But I got a Zoom session. So, all right, right, fellas. Yeah, I see you. We'll see you guys. Yep. Thanks for doing that, Brian. Um, Before you go, we got to figure out when we want to do the Kickstarter for the thing.